This week on Out Now with Aaron and Abe, we are talking the little things. Why are you wearing your Jared Leto wig? What a drag it is getting old. Kids are different today. I hear every mother say. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is... Abe, hello, hi, hello. Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We dig into movies via most sport for your review, the occasional commentary track, or some other film movie topic. This is episode 438. 438. 438. Man, what a time to be alive. Let's <laughs> put the work in. <laughs> and well, someday, depending on how many shark movies there are, we'll, um, we'll see where you go. <laughs> Waiting for Jaws 19 here. Come on, Mark. But, uh, I actually wrote out the plots for every single Jaws movie up to Jaws 19 one time. And it was probably the greatest day of my life. <laughs> well, this this week we're unfortunately not talking about Jaws 18. We're going to talk about The Little Things, uh, the new movie starring Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and Rami Malek. All, it's all available on HBO Max right now, all of it. Joining us this week, we have, from Movie Films and Flicks and host of the Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, currently sipping a Shirley Temple, it's Mark Hoffmeyer. Hey, so I went super method for this episode. I've been sitting in my car for 18 hours just watching <laughs> my house just to get into the mindset of the Hey, you're drinking Shirley Temple to go? Yeah, I, I got, I, well, I just, I prepared a bucket of it, and so it's just in the back, so I just scoop it up when I need it. And then my you wife walks ice out to me. Those. My wife brings me ice every three, wow. four hours. And so I've mean, I, I I got to get in character. Yeah. yeah. I've been I staring at my house. I can't wait for you to become a, uh, a half vampire experiment. I mean, I've been that for a long time. That happened years ago. So, you know, it kind of helped me stay out at night, staring at my house, just getting in the mines. I've really been staking out everything since I watched this. Yeah. Staking, yeah. not, yeah. not staking vampires. That would be me. <laughs> But I've been staking out homes of vampires that I know. Oh, okay, got it. Okay, I've gone full fright night. Do you think vampires Ooh. pay like a mortgage? You know, you watch these vampire movies. There's a scene in Underworld where Celine is shooting a what a like a statue, a bust. Mm-hmm. A, it's like why don't why not use a target? They seem they seem to have a lot of money, but I don't yeah, quite know how they really do. It. They lounge a lot. Vampires in these movies are just lounging. So I. I don't know. I don't know. Hedge funds? Who knows? GameStop? I don't know. I mean, they're old, so I can imagine they have, like, really old investments in bonds and things that just yeah, age really the well. the mummy's old, too, but you never see the mummy being like, hey, check well, out the, my the, house. Well, because well, the vampire's always, like, been living there for years or moves around a lot. A mummy's <laughs> like, I just got, I just escaped from this, like, tomb of imprisonment, and now I want revenge. <laughs> like, it's not like they've been holding on to things. Now I want revenge? <laughs> I wish it said that. Why is that laughable? What mummy movie do you see where they've been hanging around for years? They're always waking up out of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, this is true. They always sleep. Then somebody conjured me. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the plot of every mummy movie. (laughs) I would stop hiding mummies and really, I would just make fake maps because it always seems like they find these mummies in the most insane spots. I would just bury it in the open and then do an insane treasure map. No one would ever find it. That's. You know they should have they should have hired you back in like 600 BC. Well, they did, but <laughs> they no one listened to me. Yeah, and they were like, "Well, you're a vampire. We're not. We're you're our enemy." I'm like, "Why?" Yeah. Well, they're like, "You won't get until Universal puts together a, a group in the future." Yeah. Well, so Del Toro wanted me to be in his movie when he was going to direct for them, but 
you know. Ooh, this this is a really strange part of the dark universe, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> the Mark universe. That's what it'll... Well, with all of that in mind, Mark, glad to have you on the show. First time on. Always good to have new guests on this show. Mm-hmm. Happy to be here. I, this is big. This is big time. <laughs> I'm very excited. That's what I said oh, when Mark I was on. Uh, well, that's what I said when I was on your show, the Deep Blue Sea, the podcast, of course. Oh, that was a wild episode. It was a fun one. What to, for the listeners? Why don't you explain what Deep Blue Sea the podcast is? Oh yeah, we so there's 33 chapters on the Deep Blue Sea DVD, and we've been covering each chapter of of the film, bringing in guests, people who love the movie, and just really getting weird about Deep Blue Sea. I mean, it's a movie. I was working in a theater in '99 when it came out. People, I, I I'll never remember. I'll never forget. I'll never remember. Jeez Louise. I'll never forget <laughs> just how insane people went for it. People love that film. And then there's this whole dialogue around Deep Blue Sea that's so bad, it's good. But it's so good, it's good. I mean, Rennie Harlan is very good at blowing stuff up. He's just uh, he's just the best in the world of making those kind of action films, I think. That's controversial, Satan, but I love the guy. And so we just, I also like shark movies. So it's been a lot of fun talking about that, bringing in people, learning about just how much people love Deep Blue Sea. And I don't know, it's been a blast. And we're, we got big things coming up, too. I'm not going to tell y'all. But oh, yeah, we, I, well, I, I know there's some shifts going to be occurring because you're, you're yeah. pretty much finished with Deep Blue Sea, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so we brought in, yeah, we're almost done. And we have a, we have a guest, a really cool guest coming in. And he told us about, um, he was at the original screening of Deep Blue Sea before the reshoots so that's going to be our final episode about Ooh. deep blue sea before we pivot on to something else and he had all he has this vast wealth of information you'll find out who the guest is but i just wanted to talk about scott adkins movies and it was pretty great okay. scott right. adkins is an underappreciated actor y'all he certainly appears in movies period oh. <laughs> <laughs> i'm a grown man and everyone has opinions like everything's very subjective but when you said that my heart like sank a little bit. I don't know what just happened. Because I don't want to make you feel bad about my opinions on Scott Atkins. I think he's a yeah. very capable martial artist. It's just funny. <laughs> Everyone has their own opinion, but for some reason that got me. He he was great in Doctor Strange. Man, I, he, he needs to live in one of these big blockbusters eventually. He, whenever I see him he's in a movie get a with vampire movie franchise, that's for sure. Whoa, that'd be pff, martial artist vampire. Come on, immortal kingster. Oh. He could team up with. <laughs> oh, man, imagine him and Snipes. Like it's. Blade and Bow, and he's Bow, and then there's Blade, and then they just spin kick vampires into oblivion. Yeah, that works for me. That would work for me. I I check that out. I'd be like, you know, does Wesley still have it? What? Wesley? Oh, he can. For one thing, thing, yes, Wesley doesn't need to still have it. Let's not get confused here. Wait, Blade and Bow's too easy of a name. It should be like Blade and Wachowski, or Blade and Paul. Just something really random. Blade and Paul. Blade and Paul. Freelance like police. <laughs> Vampire uh, kickers. All right. Yeah. We got. We got to move on. Let's let's get to some. No! Show, let's get to some show notes real quick <laughs> to, to keep the show somewhat on track. Yeah, yeah. Keep uh, me on track, guys, because I, man, I'm unstoppable. For, I get going. That that was our commentary from uh, November, but this month's gonna, commentary. A very similar joke. <laughs> this month's commentary track we had was for Manhunter. We do one every month. We do one for Michael Mann's Manhunter, which is kicking off our Hannibal Lecter phase of commentary tracks because next month we're gonna be doing Silence of the Lambs. Uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. But yeah, you can find that one on iTunes now and all of our shows there. Speaking of which, iTunes reviews and ratings good to get those. Helps out our show. Helps other people find our show. If you want to log into iTunes, search right now there in a name. You can do just that and give us a rating and review. Thank you so much in advance. Please give us all the five stars. I'll go do it for y'all. Oh, what? But Thanks, I won't man. ask for one in return because that could shifty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
I, I mean, got y'all. We would just do it out of the kindness of our heart. That, that's how that works. Yeah. Be. Yeah. Oh, I mean, we, but we've also learned from Scar that quid pro quo is expected. <laughs> it's fine. I won't be mad if you I like how I brought up Silence of the Lambs, and you're like, we learned from Scar the term quid pro quo. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been there. Could have been there, Clarice. <laughs> Coming to CVS. Uh, I wish I worked on Hannibal, actually, that TV show. That would have been so cool just to see, because the production design, I know it's a TV show, but I I think it's one of the best-looking shows of recent memory. I would have loved to just... I'm very curious what catering was like on that show. Oh, Hmm. man, yeah, just guts, just people flayed, (laughs) arms just ready to eat. Yeah, a lot of open sandwich bars. Chicken legs, like just, you know, oh, man, waffles. Yeah. (laughs) All right, <laughs> let's move on. Let's get out of our quickies. Yep. Each week now we will do the quickies. Trademark. That's just fun to do after not doing it for so long. We haven't done that in a while. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun to do now again. Um, Mark, let's start with you. Have you seen any other movies this week? The Dark and the Wicked Ooh. is. Uh, I, I've, okay, I'm not fishing for compliments here, but I wish I was more eloquent and I would write beautiful prose about it because. It's one of the it's a heavy horror movie that doesn't weigh on you like Possessor felt like a 80 pound weighted blanket was on my head. And th- it's just really well acted. Marin uh, Marin Ireland are, is, is excellent. And it's just it's just such a beautifully filmed bleak, but not it doesn't weigh. I think the performances are perfectly calibrated. It's it's really dark. But it, it, it's not like there's no A24 preciousness about it. There's never uh, an inorganic moment or I'm going to frame this thing really stylishly because I've seen that in another movie. It's it's like this meat and potatoes, really well shot, bleak, dark movie that won't make you it doesn't hurt your soul like an I saw the devil or a thirst does. <laughs> and I think it's just an underrated Horror film. I know it's 95% on Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Yeah, it was good, right? well rated. <laughs> like, but it's weird. Like, I think there are movies where they're so they're they're rated well, people like them, but I, I still feel like they're underappreciated, which doesn't make sense. But I, I think it's worth watching. It's it's I think it's one of the best. I watch a lot of horror films, and it's one of the best horror films I've watched of recent memory. I, my, I adore it. My question, and I feel like it probably is a yes. Did you like the ending? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I like I really like that movie except for the last like two minutes of that movie. It <laughs> just kind of pissed me off. I saw where it was going uh, for some reason. I I don't want to give away anything, but I just knew I I knew where I, I, I it was weird. I sometimes I hate when I I know where a film's going. Like Hereditary, Midsummer, I, I just saw the ending and I I really had a hard time enjoying the ride. But on this one, it, I. Yeah, it's a little 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 out of uh, line, I think, but I still love it. It's just mean, and it made me very happy. Since it's so effective for most of the part, maybe like when I if I revisit it, like I'll be like, yeah, all right, I get it, I get what it's doing, and appreciate it more despite certain aspects of it. But I know I I do like the Abe. If you're not if you don't recall, this is the from the director well, yeah, of the this, Strangers. This is the Strangers guy, right? Yeah, uh, Bertino, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Brian. And you know what's interesting? You make a great point. When something's 99.9% excellent and there's one false note, that false note feels really out of place. But Mm -hmm. if a movie's not that good and there's about 40 of them, you're like, ah, whatever, I'm going to roll with it. So maybe, you know, I guess that could have happened, but I I just, it's, um, it's haunting. It's really, and it's kind of annoying me because I want to write 
something about it, but I just the words aren't coming to me other than like I on movie films and flicks. I just wrote uh, my review of it was the dark and the wicked is excellent. And then they like the dark and the wicked and everyone like retweeted it. I'm like, I guess that's what you need to do, I guess. But, uh, <laughs> that was my that's like all I had to say. I'm like, this is an excellent film. I, I wish I had more from it. I'm trying to farm answers from people and then steal from them to be able to write a better review. But no, I dig it. It's a good movie. You yeah. got to get a you got to get um some overseas help. Just outsource it. <laughs> yeah, steal exactly. it for yourself it's like that's a great headline to me, every like beautiful great awesome wicked dark <laughs> speaking yeah, of uh speaking of a24 preciousness i watched saint mod this week oh uh, finally um after almost a year of delay because of the whole mm-hmm. you know pandemic aspect of things never uh, heard of it this uh i i like this movie too i i wouldn't say it's great but i think it's good it deal it delves into like religious horror in a way that i enjoyed because it's not focused on possession or exorcism or kind of standard things you get when it comes to religious horror you have this nurse this uh, like private nurse private care nurse who has converted to um roman roman catholicism and the kind of she develops this kind of obsession with her patients, and it really takes a hold of her. It's this kind of slow build horror film, so it 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 works up to more intense moments. But I think those intense moments are quite effective. It doesn't quite pack all of the punch uh, compared to some other well, some other A two four horror movies and H4 movies. Like, it's, it's hard to watch this and not think about The Witch and First Reformed, like, coming together and making something like this to begin mm-hmm. with. Uh, Is there Drano and Barbwire? I wish. But, I mean, <laughs> there's there's things that are... Th- there are things that connect both of those movies uh, for this thing. And I, I still liked it quite a bit. It just... It doesn't, it doesn't quite leave, like, the strongest impact, but I still think it's, like, very effective in where it goes in the couple of moments where it's like, oh, yeah, this is very much a horror movie. Um so I, I do recommend it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other movies real quick. Uh, first is speaking of, uh, we, we were talking off, off recording about Fisher Stevens. He directed a movie called Palmer uh, this week that stars Justin Timberlake. It's on Apple now. Uh, Timberlake plays, oh, that movie. Yeah, he plays an ex-con who's coming back to to his home in Louisiana trying to make a new life for himself. Right. Think... Everyone believes that Justin Timberlake can do that role. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this: He's quite good in the movie. Okay. Um, I, 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 <laughs> he I taking free jabs at Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I don't know why. But <laughs> is he trying to Thomas Jane from Arrested Development? I just want my kids back. Is no, that what the movie's no, about? No, but the, no, but there is a there, but there is a there is a scenario where he becomes the kind of surrogate father for a kid uh, because of an absent mother. Uh, but like for like a drama like this that relies on some standard stuff, it's not reinventing the wheel, but I think it's pretty effective. Um, so you know, it it it's solid. It does its job, and Timberlake does a good job, and everything. What uh, happens if a movie w- does actually reinvent the wheel? Like, what would the result of that be? It's probably Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> you're saying they, they they would knock it out of the park? Yeah, with with wheels. <laughs> oh oh, got it. Yeah. Man, okay. that was that was quick. I'm jealous. That's that you don't get you don't get the 438 by not being quick, Mark. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, one more movie I saw, Supernova. This is the film with Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. Uh, they play a romantically involved couple for over 20 years. Stanley Tucci's character now has dement- is getting dementia. And it's this kind of road trip drama where the two of them are 
dealing with, with Tucci suddenly kind of losing his faculties. It is a drama, but it has like a lot of moments that give you a good sense of, oh yeah, these guys have been together for 20 years. They're enjoyable to watch together despite some, you know, dramatic things taking place. It's what I like about it is it's not a very showy drama for a movie like this. It could very easily just have both characters giving like giant monologues to show off the, you know, their characters and what, but instead it it's a, takes a much more simpler route. So as far as like Oscar bait award season dramas go, I, I like this one for not being like super big. It, instead it has this kind of low key vibe. And I mean, obviously Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci are very good actors, but they're both really good in this movie. Stanley Tucci in particular is one of the you know it's everything that you like out stanley tucci he's doing very well in this movie except for like i don't know ridiculing beethoven or something but um classic tooch yeah (laughs) that is classic tooch that's early tooch yeah remember a big night that monologue he had about Uh hating hating him yeah it's almost every movie now yeah this this (laughs) wait he was in big night right yes yeah yeah yeah, he directed big night (laughs) you're right but uh, yeah but he's very good in this movie uh, so yeah, that's Supernova. Abe, how about you? What have you seen recently? Uh, speaking of uh, vampires and uh, all these dark themes about the great beyond and the dark and the wicked, um, I watch Batman Begins again, and uh, it's great. You watch what? Batman Begins. Oh, Batman Begins. <laughs> <laughs> and it's Got great. It. <laughs> it still holds up. I I love uh I love Killian Murphy in that franchise. He just keeps popping up. Yeah. Yeah, have you seen him with the screen test with the bat suit on? No. Good? It's bad? It's very, it's very interesting, because he's got piercing blue eyes. Oh. Yeah. Is he better than uh, Gerard Butler's Dracula audition for Dracula I don't, 2000? I didn't know that there was an audition tape out there. Oh, you got to watch it. I'm going to have to go find this out. You haven't seen, yeah. you haven't seen Dracula 2000? <laughs> Great movie. <laughs> it's a movie. Great hair. Great they, hair. They, hmm. they okay. certainly made it. It happened. <laughs> It's a uh, that... what? It's a West Craven presents. Oh, it's one of those. Mm-hmm. It's one of those where the reviews are like it's it's a movie, and um, people are in it. That's what it says on the box. So Mark, DVD. Mark, have you seen Dracula three thousand the sequel? I have not. Is that, little... is that with Andre three K? I mean, I wish like that would have been... be a great movie. <laughs> oh, if you man. did the soundtrack too, it's a mu- It's a vampire musical. Wow! Something Come about on. something about the Hollywood. 3, Listen, we're giving you free ideas here. Wait, is it Dracula? Is it in the year three thousand? No, unfortunately, at least I don't believe so. Uh, that, Dracula two thousand came out in two thousand, so that, I can wrap my head around that. But three thousand. Oh man! I wonder how many Y two K references are in Dracula two thousand. Then well, it came out in well, December of two thousand, so not many. <laughs> Oh, okay, all right, cool. They were like, we, we figured it out. I like well, how the, I like how it came out. Scene, I like Dracula how it came learns. Out, I I do like that it came out at the end of 2000, as if it's like, well, we got to get this out now. <laughs> we can't we can't delay this anymore. <laughs> oh, we, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it gets delayed and it's Dracula 2001. <laughs> it actually it just you know, it, ADR everything in the movie. Interna- <laughs> internationally, it is known as Dracula 2001. Is Whoa. that right? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Well, you know, they thought ahead, Aaron. Yeah. You got to be proactive. <laughs> it... <laughs> Gerard Butler is a vampire. It's it's inspired. Well, it's because that's that like pre 300 phase where he's still kind of skinny. So like you mm. can do that. He could do Phantom of the Opera and not be good in either, but still oh. like get those roles. Um... I bought that soundtrack. 
I'm from St. Petersburg and Patrick Wilson was in it and he's a St. Pete guy. So we're all in the Patrick, like someone got out of Florida. So we're like, yeah, nice. Patrick Wilson. So yeah, I was a Pat, big fan. Patrick Wilson actually sing. That's the difference. Yeah, he could belt. I mean, listen, Butler did it. Like he, tr- he, he, there, he belts it a little bit. It, it's, it took some guts. To he's get no out Russell Crowe. Just... Let me tell you. Oh man. <laughs> they should have swapped roles. He should have been in Les Mis, Gerard Butler. And then Russell Crowe should have been in Phantom. I don't know if I would have liked that more or less now, to be honest. I'm like, <laughs> it'd, be, it'd feel like it'd be a weird like shift if you're like, the new Les Miserables is coming out. We have Hugh Jackman, Anne Hathaway, Gerard Butler? like, <laughs> <laughs> And introducing Jerry Butler. Wait, what? <laughs> you felt it. I think it'd be great. Russell Crowe is the Phantom. What was Phantom? 2004. So it's post-Oscar yeah, it like, it, it, win. It's, post-Oscar win. Cool. Mm-hmm. it's right after, like, Master Commander. So he's still riding, like, pretty high as far as, like, I can do these roles and, like, be a draw. Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see that work. I mean, despite the fact that, you know, he's probably not being... He's, he's not good. At, he's not going to be good at singing his Phantom. But, like, I can still see where the appeal is there. It's weird that they didn't just go, like, Disney movie thing with him where it's like, don't worry, we'll just dub over your scene with, like, a real singer. For what? Phantom or... or Phantom, yeah. Well, then didn't they do that with well, the uh, did... Greatest Showman too for Rebecca Ferguson? Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, that would have been a great movie. It would have been like um, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Schwarzenegger's version of Hamlet from Last Action Hero, but mm-hmm. Phantom would have been with Russell Crowe, directed by Ridley Scott. Oh man. Oh man. Sorry, I just was Time visualizing. Time can only it. tell. My yeah. mind's focused on why hasn't Release really Scott done a musical with Russell Yeah, I was Crow like, I wonder why. Yeah. <sighs> Alien Covenant, the musical. Maybe that's where it's been leading for him. It's like, all, it, like all the, roads the, lead to the, this? The third Alien movie that he, or the third Alien prequel he wants to do is actually going to be a musical. Wow. Like, it'd just be Michael Fassbender, obviously, as David, and now he, like, has everything <laughs> he wants, and he's just, like, he's, like, basically, like, the Willy Wonka You're, of LV-247. I would, watch, I would watch this movie in a heartbeat, yeah. Face-hugging, dun-dun-dun-dun. It's <laughs> a, a surf song, like, skeet skeet surfing from we're Top Secret. Uh, yeah, we're gonna need uh, the writers of Bob's Burgers to come up with some songs as well. <laughs> Nakatomi, Nakatomi, Nakatomi. It's just exploded. <laughs> So it's just exploded. Sorry. That that was on Netflix. Be back, be back, be back. Not, what? Just kidding. Just <laughs> make sure everybody's on their toes here. All right. Let's move on. Let's get to some trailer talk where we talk about one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This week we're talking Cherry. This is the new film from Anthony and Joe Russo, the Russo brothers, known, of course, largely for their work with the MCU, with the Captain Americas and the Avengers sequels. Uh, now they're scaling things back remarkably for a much smaller, grittier film starring Tom Holland as a former army medic who has PTSD, becomes addicted to opioids, and starts robbing banks. Um, yeah, sounds fairly gnarly um, with that in mind. Mark, what did you think of the trailer for Cherry? I mean, it looks well shot. I think they're trying to take Tom Holland into a different direction. Uh, it'd be, I think it'll be fun to see. It looks good. I mean... I don't know. I'm just really tired of bank robberies. I don't know. That's bad. It's all subjective, but it, I don't know. Just, I'm tired of like real polite kids doing horrible things and then you're supposed to like them. I don't know. That's just what I got from the trailer. <laughs> hey, how about you? <laughs> yeah, I agree that there's a lot of really good cinematography that's going on here, or at least well-conceived and 
executed shots that they really wanted. Um, as far as like everything else goes with Tom Holland, it, I I have some some qualms just because it's Apple Plus. Um, although I, I would Why? say probably Apple Plus has been well, in just in terms of like things being released to streaming, like different platforms have different feels, but. I would say that um, Apple Plus might be the one that actually has been holding up the most. I, I think they're uh, quietly the best streaming service they've had in a lot yeah, of really like, good on the rocks, right? Reviewed. What's that? They released on the rocks. On the rocks, yeah. On the rocks, and they also had the Beastie Boys documentary. Um, so Werner Herzog yeah. talking about meteors, beautiful. Yeah. So I I, I wonder, if, yeah, maybe maybe Apple Apple Plus will be the one that's like, yeah, no, I should definitely pay attention. Um, to the streaming service, so I, I'm 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 curious to see where it goes. I'll, I'll report back. Um, when is this movie released? Everyone will tell us in a second here. February, yeah. February. It's coming fairly soon. Well, it'll probably be the review that week. But, um... <laughs> I mean, the, the guy who shot it did. I think he also did the the Five Bloods. What Newton Thomas? Yeah, Newton Thomas Siegel. Siegel. Like, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, he's done Drive. I mean, they, it's gonna look good. I think there'll be some really. Yeah, I mean X two, Three Kings. This guy's really shot some excellent films. He shot Blank Man. Heck yeah! So yeah, obviously, that was, I, that was what I was going to lead off with. <laughs> that's what you always got to do. You can tell him from the nineties. Like, yeah, I just Blank love Man. Damon Wayans. But no, I mean, I, I'm being very reductive when I say you know it's 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 him grown up. I mean, he's going to have to start taking these roles. But I don't know. And then the one girl's in it. The actress that's in it, she's from um, Ray Donovan. That brings back bad feelings. I don't know if you guys watch that show. I've heard yeah. good things. Never watched Ray Donovan. Yeah, it's just a guy just... It's just John Voight getting squirrely for six seasons. <laughs> I guess that's the <laughs> I, um... I, you know, you're, you're mentioning the cinematography, and based on the trailer, it, it feels like the Russo said, we want to do all of this. And he said, yes. And they did all of it. As far as <laughs> the, like the framing and the different things mm-hmm. going on. That's not necessarily good or bad. It's just... Well, it's certainly noticeable. I, I I give it that. It looks like a very noticeably visual film. Um, I I would like to think that turns into something good, but we'll see. I generally like Tom Holland. That said, you know he's only had so many things to work on, given that he's been sucked into the MCU's orbit now. So I, I look forward to seeing him expand on things. Clearly, he having worked with the Russos three times now i guess as far as marvel movies go it's like all right i guess they got a rapport going so let's see where that goes um and also they're with the, the big disney money on this so it's nice to just see what they can do on their own i mean i'm sure they had full creative control or yeah. for as much as you can have on a film but it'll be nice to see them off in a, another world and how they sort of handle that without the kind of the production of you know and feige and all that from yeah disney. they can take so, the kid gloves off and make an r-rated you know, drug drama, uh, drug heist drama. So yeah, let's see where they can. Extraction two. <laughs> you know, that wasn't. That was. That was my least favorite. One of my least favorite movies of 2020. Am I crazy? I wasn't uh, a fan of it. Now, Mark. <laughs> okay. I was. I, I did not. I did not like it. Extraction. <laughs> okay. Good. And it's also, a fun Jack throwback. Rain... What's up? It's a fun throwback. Yeah. No. No. You're right. I mean, it just. Right. Yeah. But also, Jack Rayner's in this movie playing a guy called Pills and Coke. I like he's he's grimy. I liked him a lot in Free Fire. And yeah, then he was in Sing Street. Like the kid can act, so it'd be nice to see him in there. And he drove um he drove cars in uh, Michael Bay's uh, Transformers movie. So you know he had oh, that Jesus going for him. Yeah, and he had that card. I don't even remember what that subplot was, but no. Nah. Also, was, Free it Fire. Was, that's it, it was oh, sorry, so he it. it was so he could date Mark Wahlberg's daughter legally because of um what there's some like random rule. Because there's some yeah the law in Texas or something. <laughs> 
like Romeo and Juliet law or something like it's some like random law where it's because he was it was, like, it was something weird that that Michael Bay made very apparent to everybody living in that state. It's the kind of thing where he like thought it was, was hilarious. Like, what are thought, we doing well, here, Michael be, Bay? This will be funny in a movie, so let me make sure to highlight this in a laminated card that he carries around in his pocket. <laughs> it's laminated. Yeah. It's a weird. It's such a weird joke. <laughs> it is a weird joke. It's also like you know, I don't think that anyone's gonna think that she looks 16 because she definitely looks like she's 21. I actually like it more now because of how insane it is. I guess mm. they did something there. No, no, I don't. Yeah, My bad. Anyway, also, free, free fire. Free fire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> good movie. Ben Wheatley. I love that guy. Yeah. And free fire is underappreciated. Shoot him up. That's a, that's a that's a fun little action movie. That's for sure. I, I and Rainer. Yeah. He's good in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you get, uh, I don't want to delve into what happens to his character, but something happens to his character. And it's pretty good. <laughs> <But, laughs> it's beautiful. Uh, Cherry. This movement opens February twenty sixth, twenty twenty one. So coming soon on Apple TV Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let's move on now. Let's get to our main review for The Little Things. You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. The guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the trunk space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see, it ain't good. details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. difference is I'm doing it for me it's the little things Jimmy it's the little things that rip you apart it's the little things that get you caught that should have been some of the trailer for the little things set in the early 90s you may have heard this one before an older cop and a younger detective see similarities between some recent murders and older ones after briefly briefly butting heads they begin to work together to track down a serial killer eventually a key suspect emerges whose odd ways keep the police guessing originally written back in 1993 by director john lee hancock there was a plan for spielberg to direct before deciding the material was too dark the script came into the hands of Eastwood, Warren Beatty, and Danny DeVito over the years before Hancock finally made the film himself. Mark, 
was this film an effective dark police procedural? For me, it was. Yeah. Uh, when I watched it, I kind of knew that audiences weren't when I first heard you wrote about it, I immediately reached out to you. I was like, what'd you think? Cause I haven't been able to talk to many people about it, but I don't know. I guess with, with Hancock, I I'm sort of used to him exploring people who are just incredibly dedicated. I mean, highwaymen, rookie, like these people are just dogged in their approach to finding what they want and the, the cost of that. And I kind of liked how it didn't like at the end, it's quite bleak. I'm not going to say what it is, but it doesn't give you easy, easy answers. It makes you ask questions. I love the cinematography by John Schwartzman. I mean, the leading lines and like the staircase scenes, I really noticed a sort of neat pattern of a visual style to it. So, you know, I just liked watching those three guys act together. It was interesting watching uh, Rami and Denzel interact. I like that instead of disliking Denzel's character, he's like, hey, come with me. I need help. And it's just interesting watching these two two people who are the younger, ver like him and the younger version of himself. So, for me, I, I dug it, even though I knew people aren't going to like it because it does ask questions. And, you know, I, it's interesting. I've I've read I, I read a lot of reviews and a lot of people. It's kind of weird. They're like, it's not what I expected or I was expecting this or, you know, it, it it's slow paced or it, it's weird that expectations have really. I don't know. I'm not sure what people's expectations were for this film, and then they seem to have hampered a lot of it. Like, there's a lot of weird negativity towards it, but I, I, I enjoyed it, even though I know why people don't like it or won't like it. Abe, how about you? Were you with the Little Things? Uh, the Little Things is a movie that I think in writing probably works better than in execution. I didn't like this movie. I, I think that there was a lot of um technical failures on its on its front and what i mean by that is is primarily like the editing is terrible in this movie uh the scene that i go back to because i had to watch it twice just to make sure i wasn't going crazy is there's a breakfast morning scene and it involves like uh, uh robin malik's family and i was like why are there like 15 cuts in this one scene and this is just terrible um with all that being said though i think that there's some really interesting things about the story altogether about what it is to be, I guess, this uh, a cop or a, a sheriff or a sheriff's deputy in like the 90s and how cases can take on a life of their own after the fact. But I think ultimately what I had a problem with was like, this is just like a movie about bad police work. And it's also a movie about um, how obsession can become something that really makes you uh it really makes you i guess what's the right word here it's not a culprit but it essentially just makes you hone in on so many things that you think are true but are not true and, and that's not the most succinct way to put it with all that uh it, it's just a movie that i think is okay because it ultimately doesn't really end up with anything that left me feeling well this is deep it's just like let me pass on my grievances to another person and let that person then deal with it. Oh, but I'll also give this person, you know, some glimmer of hope because I don't want him to really feel what I'm feeling. And I don't know how I felt about that. I think that the other thing is also I Rami Malek is in this movie and I was like, I don't know why they would cast Rami Malek. I mean, and also this guy won an Academy Award for acting like question mark. So I just didn't really feel the vibes of some of the characters going to this. Denzel Washington, I think, is doing a good job here. Um, not that other people are not. It's just more that I 
I can feel like his path is a little bit more off the screen or on the screen. Um, but overall, I, I just didn't think that this movie worked for me. I um I like this movie less and less every time I think about it, and I started mm-hmm. off not liking it to begin with. <laughs> I um there's just a lot wrong here, and it feels it's weird to say miscast, but it's just. Because I do think Denzel's good. Because he's Denzel. Like I'm not expecting it. That, even, that's kind of what I. It, it's kind of, I he, too. he brings a level of authority where it's like even mm-hmm. you know even if he's coasting he's still you know better than most. Uh, Rami Malek though, who I it's weird like I generally want to like him in things because I've seen him for such a long time and it's nice to see him getting like bigger as a star. But like the things he's getting recognized for aren't very good. Like I really, I really didn't like Bohemian Rhapsody, and mm-hmm. him being the twelfth pick for Freddie Mercury shows in that movie. <laughs> so having him here, it feels similar. It feels like they had a lot of other options, and they finally settled on Remy Malik, even though he's an Oscar winner. So it's like I get it. Um, but he just he seems way too quirky for a role that requires him to be the straight man and everything. It's like you if you mentioned the family scene, it's like. Okay, this guy like there it's introducing ideas that should have some kind of payoff. Like he's a family guy who seems to stress out at night and he's also like there's a religious component to his character as well and nothing none of that's ever like cashed in on in any way. He just goes on being normal guy despite things that happen to him. So it's like why do we have him here if he's not going to it's not it's not even like he's a red herring. It's just like we got like a you know a guy that's acting spe- very specifically that just doesn't seem to fit with the mesh of the movie. Then Jared Leto comes in, who's I'm not gonna say good in this movie, but he makes it a whole lot more interesting. Like an hour into this movie, he arrives and suddenly the movie like just picks up energy, and that because that's that's a big part of my problem with this film. There's a lack of urgency in it mm-hmm. uh, for a good hour. As much as it feels like it wants to be a you know a character study slash police procedural, I just wasn't really interested in what was going on. Like, yeah, it's nice to see Washington on screen, like that's fine, but just the the nature of this story, it doesn't suck you in as far as the murder mysteries that are on display or what have you. It's not that grisly, so it doesn't give you on it doesn't get you on that level. So it's just like, what am I supposed to be rooting for in all of this? Then you get to Jared Leto, it's like okay, there's a guy that's acting weird, like, that's something, and, like, the Thomas Newman score picks up all of a sudden, but, like, it doesn't it doesn't add up to much, like you said, Abe. Like, it just, by the time we get to the end of this thing, I won't get into it right now, but it's like, so what was all that for? And, yeah, I just, just mm-hmm. didn't settle with me very much. So, like, I didn't like this movie because it just didn't have much going on for it, and what should, for... For some, I would assume it's supposed to, you know, feel deeper as far as, well, it's not about the case, it's about these characters, but I just didn't really find anything interesting about these characters beyond, like, all right, some of them are acting weird, I guess. <laughs> I, I do want to add very quickly, because, I, Mark, I'd love to hear more about uh, the positives. Um, Jared Leto, just chewing scenery, man, just chewing scenery. That, that's my takeaway from Jared Leto. yeah. And I read an interview today where Denzel was talking about the his method acting, and they're like, did mm-hmm. it get in the way of your performance? And Denzel goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> there were no Denzel. antics. He doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, there were no antics on uh, Leto's side when it came to Washington. Because, I mean, he likes working quick. When you, you call him when he's ready, then he'll mm-hmm. come to set and knock it out. So I thought that was kind of a, a an interesting bit. And uh, I guess some of the positives, right? And uh, you know what's interesting is, Everything you say, I think I agree with you, 
I mean, it, I don't really know what it builds towards or the questions it asks or how good the police work is. And, and you're right. There are just some, I guess there are some pacing issues as well, but I just kind of liked Denzel sort of seeing where his life was than seeing where Rami's, Rami's life was headed. I mean, I, I guess I could talk about their characters, Deacons and Baxter, uh, Baxter, which that'd have been funny if, oh, never mind. You know, the Baxter phrase, if he just gets dumped in the movie uh-huh. for something, but um, yeah, that would not work. But no, I just, I, 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 I like the kind of combination of those. I like the two of them together. And I guess Rami just, you're right. I think, but you know what though? I think for me, when movies are slightly miscast or miscalibrated, it makes it more interesting for me because I'm just watching this. I'm like, what? Like watching Rami and some of his physicality, I enjoyed, but I don't know if he was quite right for the role, but it made it a little bit more of an interesting watch for me. And just watching Denzel back on screen. I mean, I love, I don't know, I just love him being a cop, fallen, virtuosity. Like he's been in some funky the, police Those are the two. <laughs> yeah. Like he's been in some funky movies. And I, I Training Day. Well here's yeah, the thing. Yeah. Here's oh, the I, thing. You're you're mentioning that. And the the thing I noticed here, I tweeted about this, is Denzel Washington, he was originally supposed to be Brad Pitt's character in seven, and he turned down that role. So ever mm-hmm. since then, he's made like occasionally a movie that feels like him chasing after being a, in a new seven. He has Fallen. Mm-hmm. He has the Bone Collector. Now he has this movie. And it's like <laughs> I feel it almost makes me feel it's like it feels like this is the one thing he hasn't accomplished. Like I want to make a great gritty crime thriller, the one that I turned out, and he just doesn't do that. Like he's it's not like he's bad in any of these movies specifically. Right, the Bone Collector is not a good movie, but I mean it's it's still, come on he's it's, in, he's he's in a hospital bed for the majority. It's still interesting that he like keeps chasing after this as like this is his golden goose. Like I need to I need to play a in a great crime thriller film here, and it's well, just. And now he's I mean, old enough to, to be the older character. And the, he's the mentor figure this time around. Yeah. And it's like, all right. I mean, one thing that you mentioned earlier, Mark, which I agree with, is that I like that the the Jim Baxter character is not a dick to Joe Deacon. Mm-hmm. Like, he's like, no, no, no. I, I, at first he starts he off that way. Yeah. yeah, he starts off that way. And then he's like, oh, no, maybe I could actually learn from this guy because everyone says some great things about him. So, I, I mean, there was a lot of mixture of movies that I got vibes from from watching this. Um, Seven is definitely one of them, but also uh, Manchester by the Sea for whatever reason, because it's like, oh, I don't want to go back to my old town because I, I hate it there, and you'll find out why. <laughs> and then um, there's also like other crime movies like a uh, True Detective, or which is a show, but it's more just like the thing about this movie that I didn't really – I don't know if I didn't like it, but it's more just like the thing that I found maybe perhaps less engaging about it is that it doesn't give you any clues. It's not trying to actively solve anything. Like There's no urgency, just, like I said. None, yeah. <laughs> I mean, urgency, yeah, but it's also just like... I, I think it veers... Aaron mentioned earlier, like it, around the hour mark, it kind of veers in the direction of like, well, now there's another person on the scene, uh, and we should follow this lead, and, and let's go that direction. Well, that direction isn't police work. It's just literally like, let's just like um, harass this guy, uh, for the duration of the movie, yeah. and and it, it's and this is not like a this is not like a dig at any police work or police officer. It's kind of just more of like you know for this movie, I don't even even the snowman was like I gave you all the clues, and I never really got a sense of like well I'm trying to put together this mystery. I'm trying to solve it. I'm trying to like you know find some redemption in these characters or in the, like this story arc, and you you kind of get it, but they're so like 
I guess ridiculous to some degree, like the the meaning of a keychain artifact that the coroner has. It's like, oh, this is weird. And then I also texted my friend because he was watching it uh, sort of at the same time. I was like, I don't know how I feel about Denzel, like, uh, you know, um, shaming a dead person. <laughs> like, there's a part where like he he talks to somebody, and I'm like, why are, why am I watching this? Like, what is the purpose of of this? And does it sort of get answered at the end? A little, but also it's well, that's, not answered. That's, that's a thing. Like, there's there's a mystery surrounding what happened to Denzel's character that put him in a position that he's in currently, as far as mm-hmm. his police work goes. And the movie waits forever to actually deliver on what that is. And it's like, okay, I see what you're doing, but by the time we learn, it just doesn't leave much of an impact. Again, there's just a lack of there's a lack of me caring and a lack of urgency in this film, as far mm-hmm. as making me to be on board with anything that's going on. There is murders happening but there's no like there's no hook there and it's not like i mean if this movie wants to be pulpier it could have a hook or if it wants to be more right. you know more character focused it could do something differently but as it stands it just feels like the light version of everything you every example you mentioned Dave. it feels like seven light the true detective light silent the lambs light like yeah, it doesn't have this kind of sure. which and so it makes me wonder what did spielberg see in this that was too dark because i i guess I, in, I the, it, it, in the 90s sure this is if, if this movie was written in 93 and there's a lot of i mean think of it this way it's not if it's written then it's coming after silence of the lambs and manhunter so there's like mm-hmm. a, there's a sketch for what serial killer movies can look like among others but those are you know some two two for now those are two notable big ones so it's like all right let's write movies that are like that. And at that time, I guess you could construe something dark, but now it's just like, we've seen this before a lot. And if you're making a movie now that was written then, you need to update it or something because nothing here standing out is something that feels yeah. significant. Yeah. And I mean, that, like and, the thing... and that, real quick, that's something that also affects this movie because it's actually set in the 90s right. and it, it doesn't feel anything special that way. I feel like if you set a movie like the 80s or the 70s at this point, at least there's a very specific style to those times. So well, Aaron, I mean, up. it opens up with like that girl listening to that song from the '90s. Exactly. So, but like, you know, that's how we know that you know this and the thing remake were set in their time period. But but for here, when you said something in the '90s, the '90s isn't like that stylistically different from now. So there's I was nothing... gonna say, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say like some of the production uh, was a little bit off to me, like just in terms of like the cars that they're using. I was like. Why are all these cars from like the seventies and like you know? Well, because like, there would I guess still be 80s. cars. From, there would still be cars from the seventies. Yeah, you no, know, I get it, I get it. But it's like a lot of them. It's like well, I don't think that anyone would have driven that Cadillac. Also, I don't see any Nissans here. Um, the other thing about it is um, you had mentioned, uh, shoot, what were you mentioning? You were mentioning uh, darkness, serial killer movies. Yes, yeah, the nineties and that. So the reference that they do make to this is interesting. Because they mentioned the Night Stalker, right? It's like, oh. oh, the Night Stalker case. Not because it's relevant today, but because that's definitely what the killer in this movie is is kind of doing. Um, and I was like, that's a cool thing to do. But you don't fall up on anything. And also, the ending is not very... You don't leave me feeling satisfied as to like, oh, yeah, well, you guys put a, a, a pin in that one. Because... <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I certainly don't think that there was just a lot of intrigue in this movie, and, and it's unfortunate because, you know, to your point, Aaron, and I, I feel like we're just piling on here, but, you know, I, I don't like this movie. It, it's just that it tried to be like a Zodiac type, too, and I was like, this doesn't mm-hmm. work because none of these characters are that 
interesting. And also, again, you're not giving me any clues. Like the thing with Zodiac was like David Fincher is obsessed with that because he lived in the area growing up and he spent a lot of time like meticulously like like making production things like importing trees so that he could shoot the shot uh, over in uh, uh, the lake area, Berryessa Lake, right? And it's like, no, there's just a lot of things that he really took care of, and he he gives you his thought about who it is uh, that killed it, and then he leaves it kind of like open ended because nobody's really solved that kind of thing. But for this one, it's like I don't know what we're trying to achieve here because it veers from like this police procedural into this dramatic. It wants to be like a psychological thriller. Mm, yeah. yeah, but, but even that, I don't think it does. I'm saying it wants to be. I'm not saying it's successful. I'm saying right. it wants to be. Because <laughs> you, you kind of know. You're right. I mean, I guess they do give up on the mystery about an hour in because they're pretty dogged towards a certain person. The, the movie doesn't want you to think of anything else except Jared Leto. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's interesting, too, is there's there's a scene where Mal, uh, uh, Baxter's supposed to meet Sparma at a restaurant, and he <laughs> doesn't show up, and Sparma gets gets like worried and comes back. I mean, if if Baxter just would have gone to the restaurant and met him there, he could have had him there for an hour, which would have right. given the character time. So but also, I mean, how much of obsessiveness, you know, you get so obsessed and you get so dogged that that could maybe blur your your vision a little bit. You're not thinking you're not you're not you're not looking at all the clues anymore because you're just so centered on this one thing. So, I mean, I wonder if their, their obsessiveness made them make the wrong moves or I, only look at one person. It, well, I, I think a better movie would have been able to convey that as more of what it's trying to do because yeah. it, it doesn't seem to decide is like, wait, so are we, are we, is the second half of this movie focused on us really knowing it's Leto and just waiting for them to prove it? Or are we focused on how much are these characters just devoting all of their energy into this, despite the fact that it's maybe the wrong guy? Like, it doesn't seem like it knows how to juggle those things. And Abe, right. you, mentioned, Abe you mentioning Zodiac, the benefit there is that he had real life to work with as opposed to this fictional film. That said, it's not like Fincher is, you know, new to the world of serial killer movies. He made right. many that aren't based on reality. So it's like, a lot of the problem here is John Lee Hancock. I mean, I, I don't think he knows what he wants to do here from a stylistic standpoint, and, and how to make this more interesting. I feel like he has well, a story he wants to tell, yeah. but he doesn't have a way to tell it in a way that registers as anything above dark co- dark cop thriller. Like it doesn't Yeah, well, do I mean, anything. that's the thing. Is like, again, if I'm reading this script by itself, like Solo, um, I, I would kind of probably get it more, right? I'd be like, oh, wow. Like, I like how it turned from like this to that or whatever the case is. But in execution, it, it just doesn't really fit that well. So it, does, it just is not a very... Uh, compelling and also uh, like believable, I guess, storyline because of everything we just mentioned here. Like, it, there's even one point where, um, for whatever reason, they have like Neil Flynn and Rhonda from The Wire just showing up <laughs> like for for cameos, and I was like, that never really gets resolved. <laughs> and then there's the other thing that is is sort of like distressing is that they actually have you guys were talking about. Um, you know, they never uh, Jared Leto is like this weird, creepy guy. And he is not not that he he's method acting again. So it's like just Jared Leto being weird. Um, but it's more of there's a scene at the county uh, sheriff station where they're like, oh, do you know who this person is? They're talking to somebody who may have been like a first hand uh, witness Literally. to some of these these crimes. Um, and that never goes anywhere because they forget to do they, they they throw some police jurisdiction lingo in your face 
and you're like, okay, well that, what are we doing here, guys? Like, I don't know. Again, the the crime of it is not being solved, and it just actually makes me feel really bad about the way that this movie ends. Is because, like what I mentioned earlier, it's just it really makes you feel like the cops aren't doing their job or like it makes you feel as though the cops really would put some cases on you and illegally search your home and throw some shit in there and be like, there's a dead body. Let's go arrest this guy. That's what I was wondering too. When people watch, like would they not like that element nowadays? I mean, you know, in the nineties mm-hmm. was, I guess a little different, but he said he only changed about 10% of his script, but watching at the end, and the, I don't want to spoil anything, but I was mm-hmm. like, ooh, I wonder how this is going to go going to go over nowadays. Yeah, the timing yeah. seems poor, but I also remember, like, this is a January movie for a reason at this point. It's like, I yeah. get it. Like, sure. It's, it's really interesting, though, how Hancock, the actors he gets. I mean, Blindside won Sandra Bullock her, her Oscar. Right. Saving Mr. Banks had Hanks. Uh, founder Michael Keaton. Highwaymen Kevin Costner, Woody Harrelson. He... He gets some big names right. in his films. I wonder why they're so driven toward. I mean, I, I guess. Well, I think. I mean, I think the pitch is great for a lot of these movies. It's like, mm-hmm. what, you know, what, let's tell the story of making of Mary Poppins. Let's tell the story of the cops that were after Bonnie and Clyde. Let's tell the story of the guy who stole McDonald's. <laughs> like those <laughs> in concept, it's like, all right, I can get behind what that is, and you know, I assume John Lee Hancock is at least a nice guy to work with or something like people are drawn to his sets like sure, yeah. mm-hmm. things there's plenty of things that you know you can't see a movie before making the movie so it's like i i get where that that can come from but i mean looking at his movies i'm not the biggest fan of everything he's done here <laughs> like i um mm-hmm. i i really didn't like the highwaymen i think the founder's good because of keaton um save mr banks is kind of eh the, we don't need to talk about the blind side. I actually like the Alamo quite a bit. Um, Patrick so, Wilson's in that one. Patrick yeah. Wilson is in that one. Oh, Say Pete. Yeah. Say Pete. Um, Watch Spring Breakers. <laughs> and then so, maybe The Conjuring. <laughs> but, um, Conjuring 2. But this, I, and especially looking at something like this, it right. does seem out of his elements compared to the other things he's you know made. And it feels like that shows as well because it's just even like the cinematography feels like uh like Robert Elswit light. Like it just seems like there's a lot of like stuff you could be doing here to make this more interesting or more cohesive. And instead it just feels like this kind of limp police procedural where the police work just kind of ends after a while. And you follow these characters that are watchable despite being kind of shallow. And then the ending, I mean, Mark, as the one that, as the one person that liked this movie, did you, did you like where the ending took you? I mean, I, I for me, I just like the question that it asked. And I mean, I don't know if that's right or wrong or people will laugh at that question, but at least it didn't put things on a, uh, like it just didn't tell you exactly how to feel. It left sure. you thinking a little bit and this is going to sound stupid, but like, it's just little things like that. Like just when, you know, Baxter take like being like, Oh, Deke, I could work with him. Just mm-hmm. tiny things like that made it worth watching. Uh, I immediately knew that, I didn't think the re- I knew this movie would be rotten. I mean, just because of the embargo, but it's ah, just a little thing. Like I, I like that. It didn't tie everything up. It, and it did throw in things that didn't really lead anywhere. Uh, it's odd. It's, I, I get everything that I kind of saw it all happen, but for some reason I, I liked it. I liked that ending. I mean, this, the, the idea of obsession and where that leads and, what it can do to your your family and what what it could potentially do and so and it can make you go after the wrong person and it just all those questions I enjoyed 
For I, me, it's, but I, I don't know. I, I try to look at things really clear. optimistically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's what I liked. There, there's just a few things in there. I like that it asked some questions. It didn't make things too easy. Uh, and for, I guess that that made me excuse a lot of everything that you guys talked about, which I agree with. It's, mm-hmm. it's, um, I don't think I could pass like, like deep blue sea. I could talk about it all day why it's great. And I could <laughs> defend it till I, I really, I could defend it forever. But this movie, I don't know if I have a defense towards certain elements of it, but sure. like I said, I just, um, it's, it's a few of those little things. I liked just a lot. Hit you at the right I, time. Yeah. I, yeah maybe. I, I, I can say that like where the film leaves you, I appreciate that on a, a concept level like i there's a right. a sense of ambiguity there i'm trying to be vague there's a sense of ambiguity there um as well as like a way to wrap up some of the characters that like all right that's fine it's how we got to that point that really bothered me just like the 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 way we get into the third act of this film where two characters go off together I just found that not to be ridiculous. <laughs> just everything yeah. about that just felt ridiculous to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's when the film really went off a deep end for me as far as believability goes. And it's not like I require a film to, you know, fe- you know, sit in the real world and like act like one where everyone makes the smartest decision at the time or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, there's a there's a there's too many leaps taken as far as this character is doing this thing because another character asked him to. And we're just gonna sit here and let that go. It just there's a lot of that going on, and I just I I I was certainly I was a lot more attentive during that part compared to the rest of this very slow paced movie. But that didn't make me like the movie anymore. Uh, And I I gotta say, I want to see what you guys think about this. Very lately, very lately, lately, I've I've fallen (laughs) I felt myself be more defensive towards films that don't really need my defense. Mm -hmm. But after seeing that, I mean. After Wonder Woman 1984 came out, I felt like that movie stole people's money, burnt down their house, <laughs> wrecked their lives. Wow. It, like, uh, so I, I watched it. So I watched it before all the reviews and people could. I got I got a screener. I watched right. it. I enjoyed it. No half measures. I like that. Like you got to work for it. That theme I enjoyed. And then just when I said I liked it, I just got like, people just went after me. This, you know, it, it ran over my dog. It, it was very contentious episode two. Yeah, yeah, it was and, yeah. with another mark, by the yeah. way. And it, it's pretty. It just for me, it's just I I saw the anger towards it, and for me, I guess superhero films, I just take them as superhero films. I watch them, I enjoy them. Mark, we're on but the exact same page. You're, you're actually because talking I, to people that were like, you know, it's not terrible, but I, it wasn't well, well executed. I, I had the same reaction to you, though, as far as I watched it before, you know, reviews were out or everything. I just watched it in a vacuum, saw it, and it was like, I see the things that are doing here. But I also, I saw the the way you saw this movie as far as what the reaction is going to be. I saw that one. We're like, well, I like mm-hmm. this, but I can see that people are not going to like this thing. I, yeah. like, I, I know that's coming to some degree. I didn't realize it would come to the extent of we're taking up our Christmas weekend to be unabashedly mean to a movie for existing <laughs> but <laughs> especially because my thought was well that's fine but soul is terrific so what do i care about wonder woman like i don't know like, so it's yeah. but yeah that that was very similar reaction here uh, i to, just to worry about my defensiveness right because the way people attack that and then i just i was reading people's thoughts about this movie and it, it's not what you expect it's slow and I think maybe sometimes I get too defensive of things, and they, like I said, they don't need it. And then maybe I give it more credit than what well, it's due. I mean, to that point, I mean, I would say that it's it's dangerous to play the 
it's the general game and also like the medium game. You know what I mean? Where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, by the way, uh, it's just the it's too slow for me. It's like, well, that's for you. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a like we've talked about criticisms here about the movie itself. Right. The mm-hmm. writing is probably outdated. The editing and cinematography are like questionable. The motivations, the character motivations are very questionable. You know what I mean? And like mm-hmm. the way that the there's like too many loose threads and too many characters in this movie. And so those are definitive hold on things that a movie maker can be like, oh, well, yeah, thanks for the note. You know, just to say like, well, it doesn't really work for me because the pacing is slow. It's like not my style. It's not, not my tempo. You know, nobody here is is saying it's not my tempo. I mean, we've talked about pacing, but we haven't said like, you know, I don't like it because uh, Jared Leto put on too much weight for this role. It's like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's a pillow. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, that that's where like it becomes like, is this person actually like, like what would this person like? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't like roast beef so, in movies. Yeah. It's like hopefully we're not being you know, too uh, humble braggy and being like, yeah, I don't like this because it doesn't really represent uh, L.A. in the 90s. Like, no, <laughs> honestly, it doesn't represent L.A. in the 90s. Yeah. <laughs> you could never get to the 405 from the 302 <laughs> onto the 607. Yeah, I was thinking like, oh, the reason why they're driving at night is because there's traffic all the time. But then there's a scene where they're, they're stuck in traffic. <laughs> <laughs> I will I will say another aspect of the film that bugged me is it being set in the 90s that felt less like a here's a choice we're making because of how cool it is and more of a well i don't want to overcomplicate this movie with cell phones and computers so i might as well set it back in the 90s like yeah, it just it felt like, it it felt like that's that's stuck out to me it stuck yeah. out to me more yeah because they would ne- they would definitely need to have like the pay phones and and i was also the same things like well there should be like surveillance videos but i i you know the element of the 90s is if you wrote it for the 90s and he wanted to keep it in the 90s that's totally fine um, but then you also get something like, um, was, was killer Joe written like earlier on? Yeah. yeah that was a freaking right. Play. That yeah. was a play. That yeah. Was a, before, Tracy, yeah. Tracy, let's play. Tracy, yeah. let's play. But it was, yeah. a, yes, it was written before it was, yes, before it, it, was had, made, it had, like, it had some time, it had some time before it came out as a movie. Yeah. Right. And you could definitely feel like, well, this isn't, this doesn't feel like it was written a year ago. This definitely feels older. And then you watch the movie and you're like, I still like it. I still dig it. Cause there's like elements of that movie you're just like oh yeah I, I forgot that i'm in like the 80s uh for this movie and it works whereas this one is like you know it says 1990 as like the opening mark and then it just keeps going with it and you're like i i guess i have to believe it because he's driving like a 1994 taurus killer joe is a 1993 play 1993 yeah. which is the same as the script so i mean that just yeah. that's showing me yeah there are directors that can do this well that can make the time and place either just not matter or incorporate that in a way where it fits the, you know, the framework of the movie. This one just doesn't have that going for it. And it doesn't have anything unique going for it as far as the realm of serial killer movies. And you have one goodish performance and two mixed bags. It's like, what am I recommending here? That's what it comes down to. And I just, I didn't enjoy the experience. Right. And, you know, he didn't want to change the end of the script. Uh, some studios asked him, hey, can you not have this ending? He's like, no, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I, I definitely so he lives your... and died on that. Right. Like, it's that's probably his doggedness hurt him. I would yeah, say. And, and, but I agree with you, Mark, too, because, again, the, the way that I read it as a script for the ending, I was like, I get it. Like, I actually again, I, I started up front by saying, like, if I read this just solo based off the script, I, was like, I, I would probably enjoy this maybe more than than the execution. Mm hmm. I mean, I don't, at least it, I, don't, I don't like when movies tie things up too perfectly so i i don't even know what grade i would give this 
not, I don't disagree with the negative. Well, you're at the, you're, we're at the right time to We're at the right to, time. To yeah. I think we've talked plenty about the little things, so let's get to our rating scale for this film. When should people go and see this movie? It's currently available in theaters, parentheses, uh, also on HBO Max. Uh, should, Mark, should people be putting this at the top of their queue or put it in there it's just somewhere, eventually watch it, or just avoid it altogether? What do you think? Oh, don't rush to watch it. Watch Deep Blue Sea or The Dark and the Wicked <laughs> first. Got it. Watch those. And then watch Deep Blue Sea again. And then check it out. Yeah, oh, I, I think... Deep Blue Seas. And then watch it again. And then Deep Blue Sea 3, because it's not bad. <laughs> and then make your way maybe towards the little things. But no, it's... um, Yeah, it, like, it, it doesn't reinvent the wheel like Mad Max Fury Road. And it's... <laughs> uh, I, I, I just like watching Denzel... Uh, where would I okay when if you have a night where you just have some free time and you've already watched everything else just put it on that's why you're doing something else I don't know it's tough that's that's very yeah no so in our old rating I would say that this is like a a TNT cable movie yeah Um, there we go and in our new rating I would say like you definitely don't have to rush out to see it and you definitely shouldn't put it in a queue and if you were scrolling through, then go ahead and click play. I like yeah. it. Exactly. You, you know, you, it's that Denzel factor where it's like, well, you don't want to skip Denzel movies like that's So it's annoying when he makes a bad one. And mm-hmm. it's been a minute since he's been in a movie, honestly, when you think about it. His last movie was Equalizer 2, which I'd argue is the worst Denzel movie of all time. So it's um, oh, wow. it's pretty annoying. Uh, yes, I very much do not like a hurricane Equalizer. gunfight with Pedro Pascal. Uh huh. That was a that was a choice they made. Um, oh god, that movie. So yeah, this is better than that, but still just not that worthwhile. So I would yeah, if you put it you know if you put it on the in your list of HBO Max originals, you could put this in you know like sixth the sixth spot on that queue and uh, you know eventually maybe yeah. get to it. Do you guys think that Jared Leto's mad that nobody's talking about his limp or like his walking style in this movie like on Twitter? <sighs> Probably right. He's mad. He's been doing a lot of interviews. He has been doing a lot of interviews. I've noticed so, this. <laughs> I listened to one of them. It was he was with um, Pete Hammond, I think they did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Learning about the all this, but yeah, I mean, but there's nothing, there's nothing new to this role. Right. It's it's it's, it's weird, creepy guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, I guess where where people could really latch on to what Dallas Buyers Club or it felt I don't know maybe felt something different. This is sure. I've seen better creepy guys in films who try less than this. Yeah. The guy with an attic or the guy with a basement in California? I'm like, I don't know what's going on here, but this guy, I'm never going to be here. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) All right. Well, that's been our review for The Little Things. Let's move on now. Let's get to Abe. What what time is it here? Oh, Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game. Little known fact, that actually was going to be the score for The Little Things, but then they thought it was a little too all over the place for a movie that might be a little bit all over the place. True. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what that is. Um, I have a game for you guys this week. All right. It is called The Little Things, colon, The Game. Oh. <laughs> I, I dig it. I am going to describe to you little things or objects from specific movies and needed to tell me what the movie is. Hmm, okay. Ooh. They should ideally these should all be memorable little things from these movies. 
Okay. If you feel you know the answer, buzz in with your name and tell me the answer. Okay. Makes sense? We good? Let's oh, do it. yeah. Let okay. it ride. Here we go. Here's the here's the first one. I d- ideally, I would have structured all these off of like various... Denzel movies? I mean, I thought about that, but it became too yeah. difficult. So I was trying to go with like mystery thrillers and whatnot. And it's mostly that. They're, mo- they're mostly mystery films. Uh, actually, they all are. Now looking at these, okay. yeah, they're they're all mystery. They're just, some of them vary in genre a little bit, but that's the that's the idea behind some of these. Here's the first one: the Death's Head Hawk Moth inserted into a oh, Abe. mouth. Abe, the Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs Whoa. is the correct answer. No Mothman will prophecies. ever. <laughs> yeah, the Mothman. <laughs> <laughs> the butterfly effect. Godzilla here's... vs Mothra. Wait. Here's the next. <laughs> here's the next one. Little things. The little notches on the side of your nose when you have your glasses off. Whoa. I don't Eddie know, Eddie. Eddie. <laughs> That's a good guess. Abe, seven. Incorrect. The answer is the 12 Angry Men. <laughs> okay, all right. That makes sense. <laughs> it's, a, it's a key part of that film where they're talking yeah, about a witness who has the glasses. I haven't, I haven't seen that. Oof. I'm not doing too good here, guys. Don't worry, well, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna uh, come back from behind and beat me. Some of these are easier than others. Here we go. A killer with an artificial limb. Fugitive. The fugitive. Yes. Yeah. Richard, say your name first, but yes, it is Mark. A fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, he's trying to kill me. Let it ride. Here's the next one. A cardboard box with a blonde surprise inside. Abe. Oh, Abe. Seven. Seven is the correct answer. That's fine. <laughs> what a what a delicious way to describe that. <laughs> that's a really, yeah, that's wonderful. Here's the next one. A gold watch that made quite the journey all over the world and in some odd places. Abe. Oh. Abe. Yep. Pulp Fiction? Pulp Fiction is the correct answer. <laughs> Great walking moment. By a man of Wanaki. Wanaki. <laughs> Here's the next one. Some Polaroid pictures with helpful clues. Uh... I mean, this could be a couple of things, but my Abe. Abe. Memento. Memento is the correct answer. Wow. Why is he chasing me? Wait. <laughs> I'm chasing him. I'm getting crushed here. I'm no good at this. This is great. I'm chasing this guy. He's chasing me. Uh, here's the next one. Little stick men hanging from trees. Mark. Mark. Blair Witch Project. The Blair Witch Project is the correct answer. Okay. Hey, someone made one of those for me. No, that's that's not creepy. From wood from that area. Oh, that's, that's even better. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> Are we saying the same thing here? <laughs> Did we just become best friends? <laughs> Here's the next one. An ice pick. Mark. Mark. Oh wait, that's a uh, basic instinct. That is correct. Oh. Basic instinct. Okay. Little giants. Yeah. <laughs> My bloody Valentine. 3D. Here's the next one. <laughs> <laughs> an, an origami unicorn. Is it a unicorn? An origami unicorn. Oh goodness. Uh huh. Mark. Yeah. Uh-huh. Die another day. In what? Incorrect. <laughs> I mean, that was, that's it? the ultimate goal of my life. Is your reaction <laughs> to that? What? <laughs> Uh, a Blade Runner. Blade Runner is the correct answer. Okay, I was like, is it a unicorn in that, or is it just? It is a unicorn. Okay. Yes. All right. Just making sure. Just making sure. 
<laughs> Some of the I was like, is Edward people. James almost dexterous enough to make that? But he probably is. Clearly he is. <laughs> yeah. This is random. I can't remember. What, yeah, I can't remember the animal that he makes. So you you didn't you did watch his YouTube vid of him making origami unicorns? <laughs> if he had one, I would definitely watch it. <laughs> like, I'm not like going to search for that video, after this. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably got like 22 million views. That's what that's what his cameos are. He does cameos. He just makes it work. <laughs> that's way better than like, hey, Aaron, happy birthday. Say it. <laughs> I made you this unicorn, and guess yeah. what? I wrote your name on the paper, so it's definitely exactly. yours. <laughs> and you're not you're not a you're you're not a replicant. Here's the next one. A pair of gold scissors. Ooh, oh, Mark. Mark. Us. Us is the correct Oh, answer. clever. Here's the next one. A non-stop spinning top. Mark? Mark? I was going to say a stupid answer, but I'll just say Inception. Inception is the correct answer. <laughs> my, my brain went to speed when you're when you saying non-stop, and I was like, hmm, it's, it's not speed. This is weird, but Speed 2 Cruise Control, I don't think you want an action movie called Cruise Control. I get that it's on a cruise. <laughs> But you're, it's like they're coasting. Well, you got to be fighting while while the boat is driving, so that's that's what they need. It I is a know. weird. It is a weird title. I, I I agree. Cruise uh, control. <laughs> like it's like they thought of the pun, but then they're like, wait a minute, doesn't that imply we're going kind of slow? In a movie <laughs> called Speed. <laughs> also, the fake rain work in Blade Runner was beautiful, and the reason why I thought about that is because I watched Wild Mountain Time the other uh-huh. night, and that rain work in that film is not good. Just mm. want to let y'all know that. Yeah, that's the only thing that's not good about that movie, though. So <laughs> that's a crazy. I, I, I. I you certainly watched it. Is your reaction apparently? <laughs> it, it made choices, and I really appreciated them because it, the choices are really weird. Yeah, they are. I, yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, you guys are currently tied, and I have three Whoa. left. Here we go. Talking about not being you, you're just basically uh ringing me here, Mark. I'm gonna lose. Just wait. Here it comes <laughs> a coffee mug with the label Kobayashi Porcelain. Mark. Mark? <laughs> Usual suspects. Usual suspects. No, no, answer. it's actually a scary movie too. <laughs> it's the first one. I, I got the straw. Oh, is, that, is that the first one? <laughs> yes. I do like the door knocker. Officer in Doofy. Scary movie two. That door knocker bit in Scary Movie Two is pretty pretty good. <laughs> Here's ah! one. Dumplings. Lots and lots of dumplings. Well, oh, I know this one. I really no, no. do. Wah. Wait, okay, think. No, that, that can't happen. <laughs> lots of dumplings? Oh. I feel like the way that you said it, too, is a clue, but I don't. It's not coming to me. You think the clue that I gave you was a clue? Dumplings. <laughs> no, I mean, the, the, the inflection that you gave. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's Man, lots of dumplings. I know. I, I don't know. Uh. Okay. Abe, that one short story about like that old lady who who makes dumplings for people. To Bow make, to be extreme. Yeah, no, no, to make them look young. <laughs> wow, lots of. Dumplings. But it's actually just people. <laughs> I feel like okay. you guys are giving. I'm gonna up. take a guess. Uh-huh. Mark. Yeah. Ernest Slam Dunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, not quite. You missed that one. The answer is Old Boy. Oh, you know, I was going to say that. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, I was thinking squid. close. Octopus. Well, because that'd be too easy if I gave you octopus. That's why I went for the other thing that he was forced to eat for, uh, you know, 20 years. 14 years. Um, All right. Here's the last one. If Abe gets this right. No, if if you get this right, then we'll have to go to a tiebreaker. Okay. All right, Mark. It's going to be a a great (laughs) tiebreaker. I'll stay quiet. I'm down for a tiebreaker. 
it's going to be a Unless, great tiebreaker that I have to look right. up right now. But um, okay, here we go. Okay, here we go. <laughs> a small gem that would fit in the Super Bowl ring. Abe. Abe. A- Ace Ventura. Ace Ventura Pet Detective is the correct answer. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Wow. <laughs> you, you, you did it. We're going it. down to the wire here. All right. So now i got to get you a tiebreaker question. One second. Troll harasses local town. Mark, Ernest scared stupid. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that yeah. troll wrecked my life, though, when I was nine. Just I got an article coming out. You'll, you'll like it. About Ernest? Yeah. I'm telling y'all. Yeah, I mean, uh, who's the actor? Um, Jim Varney. Jim Varney, yeah. Great voice. And he's really good at facial expressions. It was like, uh, therefore, he must be a great actor. Dude, he's, I love that guy. I read both his books. The director wrote about all of his movies. Can you do a Jim Varney impersonation? Hey, Vern. <laughs> wait, wait. There ain't no trees in Botswana. Uh-uh. I should know. I am a Botswanian lumberjack, and I never had a job. You know what I mean, Vern? Yeah. <laughs> Woody, I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) You know, those commercials were so popular. They filmed a Christmas commercial where Vern was really rude to Ernest and he slammed the door in Ernest's face and wouldn't let him into his party. People got so mad that they filmed a 15 second bit where Ernest goes to Vern's at New Year's and slams a pie in his face. They people got so mad they had to go make another commercial so that Ernest wasn't sad. That's how popular he was in the like the territories during during his commercial days. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, he's a super popular guy. They're like, how many? How many Ernest are there? Like, fourteen, thirteen? Nine. Yeah, there's less than that. Yeah, okay, yeah. that's a you lot know, still. You guys probably want to get out of here and don't want to edit all this, but I can name them. Nope, it's here. So that name them. Yeah. Here, here right. it comes. Ernest goes to camp. Uh huh. That's the first one. Ernest saves Christmas. Mm-hmm. Great. Ernest great goes great to jail. Mm-hmm. Oh. Ernest scared stupid. Uh huh. Ernest rides again. Yep. Ernest goes to school. Yes. Ernest in the army. Ernest in Africa. Yep. Ernest slam dunk. The Ernest you, in Africa you, box you cover didn't age well, I'm guessing. Well, no, <laughs> it, it's just him popping out and he has like red face paint on or something like that. Like, okay. It's not, it's not terrible. It might have been worse. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's just like, he's popping out like Porky Pig at the end of a Looney Tunes cartoon and he has some face paint on. Like, okay. That's, the, that's literally what it is. Yeah, as you were naming all those, I was like, yeah, I love the cover box art. Like, especially like uh, Ernest goes back to school where he's like, ee, and like leaning over a desk. Yeah. <laughs> you get super smart in that one. Yeah. Anyway, Aaron, do you have a tiebreaker? <laughs> yes, I have a tiebreaker, <laughs> very much so. <laughs> All right. I want you to name what you think is the highest domestic box office movie for Rami Malek. For oh, Rami Malek? Mark. Yeah, go yes. ahead. Oh, are we saying the movie or the highest? What you think the movie is. The highest? Um. Oh, gosh. Well, it's not Larry Crown. So I'll, I'll say that's what like one of my least favorite movies ever made, by the way. Yeah, it's yeah, it was my it was my yeah. number one worst of the <laughs> no, year. It's like I don't think anybody remembers. It's one of the most insulting movies I've ever watched. Uh, I, same page here. Okay. Uh, oh, thank God. Uh, let's say Bohemian Rhapsody. Abe, what do you think is the highest grossing Rami Malek movie domestically? I feel like this is a trick question. It's not. Okay. <laughs> He's been in movies and he has an answer. <laughs> I, I know, but it's like he probably was like some obscure voice in some obscure in some like animated movie too. I'll give you a hint. It's not that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then I'll say short term twelve. 
You think Short Term 12 is the highest grossing film of all time? No, I, I don't, but we <laughs> need a movie with Robin Williams could be up there. <laughs> yeah. What's the answer? The answer is Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2. Second is Night of the Museum. Uh, then mm. third, is, third is Bohemian Rhapsody. There you go. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody is the biggest worldwide. Uh, okay. I, I'm happy with the tie. I'm not competitive. Yeah. No, no, no. Now, now you're going to no. guess. What do you think the domestic box office total was for Twilight Saga Breaking Dawn Part 2? You can take the first guess. I'll go second. $724 million. Let's go with the domestic box office. What do you think the domestic box office for Twilight Breaking Saga Part 2? $225 million. 225. Okay, Mark? 324. Well, we do like doing prices right rules over here, so I'm going to give it to Abe. It's $292 million. Hey! I mean, okay, congrats. thank you. Thanks, Mark. Mark, this was a. Uh... I don't know why I'm giving a victory speech, but <laughs> well, you won, Abe. <laughs> so, like, I've never been we'll, happy. We'll to have lose. you on again, where I typically will not win. <laughs> it was you a are a game. noble and excellent competitor, and I'm oh, happy to you. lose to you. I, I'm happy to uh, to have have been in your uh, presence to compete. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, that's how you well, play a little so things. Much, for colon, the game. The game. Uh, yeah. Nice. By the home version, it has a board. Mm. All right, let's let's get to some out now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. This is where I go over the various questions answered on our Facebook page, Facebook.com/slash/outnowpodcast. We asked a number of questions to the listeners, and they gave us answers. And we didn't get any questions this week, but we got plenty of answers right. here. So let's do yeah. this. Hey, Mark, feel free to Mark, Mark, feel free to jump in with any answers you might have as well. Indeed. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the first question is: What are your favorite LA cop movies? Chris has LA Confidential, Beverly Hills Cop. Heat and Training Day. Any favorite LA Cop movies? Oh goodness, the, those. <laughs> those. Yeah. Those, those just, Aaron is actually just indiscriminately pointing at in an array. Yeah. <laughs> End of Watch. Oh yeah. End of Watch. Ayer's best movie. Yeah, that one's yeah, good. Definitely. Uh, yeah, sure. And then, are there cops in the Fast and Furious movies? Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah, Brian's Whoa, a cop, of course. Brian, <laughs> Brian's a fed. Is that oh. a, that's oh, a yeah, cop? Right. Yeah, he's still guess. a cop. <laughs> he's not local municipality. He's the, he's the law. He's the law. <laughs> that, that's what counts. Yeah, John Q. Law. Yeah. Chips. Chips. Yeah. Uh, Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, they're in future he's LA. That's they're right. in LA, yeah. and he's a cop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Speed. SWAT? You just SWAT or you're not. <laughs> da, 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 da. Is that in L.A.? Yeah, that's Which in one? L.A. Yeah, they, they they land on the like the Fifth Street Bridge in that movie. <laughs> that's my answer. <laughs> Sometimes doing the right thing, I doing the right thing. And Ernest goes to the L.A. Um, police Academy. <laughs> <laughs> that should have been a joint between him and Polly Shore. Oh. By the way, you know it's a better you know it's a better like sheriff's uh movie about solving a crime. The the Wolf what? of Snow Hollow. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. It was great. That anger and that... <laughs> <laughs> makes me so happy. Are you gonna ask him I'm okay? No. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna ask you if you're okay. <laughs> Just fist fighting people. You know what your mom's gonna and... say to me? <laughs> Oh, what a beautiful movie. Brittany, as you read from my text, I'm not going to be around all the time. Because <laughs> I have to deal with the gruesome murders 
exactly. So we're just quoting Wolf of Snow Hollow now. Okay, let's move on. I love when his daughter punches the thing too. Like the anger has permeated to her. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful movie. Next question: What are some great films about characters with a dark past? Chris writes Wolverine, hands down. I mean, you saw him killing everybody through the opening credits, so I guess yeah. Well, he was at war. I mean. What's, what's it gonna with do? Not claw people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, characters of the dark past. Um. Hmm. Oof. I mean, there's a lot of them here. Mumford. What if those? Mumford. I want to see a movie called I've Seen Some Things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the visit. There you go. The Okay. Yeah. They've got a dark past. Oh gosh, is that the, the diaper movie? Yep. <laughs> yes, the di- yes, that's that's the one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not see that scene coming. And then it happened and it just <laughs> uh, oh. anything from you, uh, Mark? Characters with the dark past? Now I'm drawing a blank right now. Well, if you think about it, one of the fun Drive? things is you set it out. Drive, there you go. Drive, there you go. Only God forgives. Whoa. Oh, Only yeah. God Forgives, yeah, both by Nicholas Winning Ruffin. I love Only God Forgives. Great scores in both. Oh, yeah. Great uh, red lighting in, in Only God Forgives. Lots of red lighting. Uh, Did and Thomas Siegel shoot that movie, too? Did he shoot Only God Forgives? I don't know. I'll look that up. Maybe you go over the next question. Yeah, Great the next God question fighting. is... Do you want to fight? Oh, man, that's so cool. I used to box, so like, watching that was cool. Yeah. Get steamrolled. Yeah. He did not shoot that movie. Larry oh. shot that movie. Okay. Well, the next question is, what are some unhinged performances for movies set in a realistic world? Chris writes, Michael Douglas in Falling Down. Um, any other unhinged performances? I guess you could say Russell Crowe unhinged, but that's... <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't say that's a realistic world. <laughs> that's true, yeah. Uh, Nightcrawler. I've never heard of a courtesy oh, tap. Nightcrawler. 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 Take Shelter? That one, that one was like, I love Take was, Shelter. Take Shelter, yeah, there you go. A, that movie hurts me. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Jeff Nichols. Set. Yeah, Yeah. great movie. Love that guy. Great perform- also, great my favorite band is Lucero, and the lead singer is Ben Nichols, and so when Jeff Nichols made Shotgun Stories, I'm like, hey, the brother of the lead singer of Lucero is making movies. Huh. So now <laughs> Jeff Nichols is crushing it. But yeah, Lucero is like my favorite band, so... He does the song at the end of Take Shelter, so you should check. You should check out Lucero. They're great. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check that out next time I watch that movie. All right, next question: Who are some performers who never lose their cool on film? We didn't actually get any answers for this one, but I thought mm-hmm. it was a good question. Al Pacino. <laughs> Shut up. <Yeah! laughs> Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Oh, yeah, never that's... loses his cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. Jerry Butler. Jenny. I, I mean, the, when he lost his cool, he kicked a guy into an endless pit. So, I mean, he, I feel he like also he loses like, his cool, lost his cool so he divorces his wife. <laughs> I mean, De- Den of Thieves is, what if I lost my cool for two hours and 45 minutes? Dude, that minutes? movie is like... so ridiculous. <laughs> that movie is so sweaty. His sweat in that movie is that's very the best sweat movie. work I've seen in years. That's a good, that's a good sweaty movie. The, the Yoshinoya scene itself is just like, this is cringe, but also like... I guess I want to keep watching this. Here's one. Does Jamie Foxx ever lose his cool? Mm, did he ever lose his cool in Spider-Man 2? No. I mean, he tur- he turned into a monster. I think it turns I mean, up. Yeah, I think but it even turns then, he, I wouldn't even say he lost it. I mean, this is a, that's an extreme example. I wouldn't even say he lost his cool necessarily. He became a villain. Well, I mean, technically you could say that he lost his cool in Soul because he's just like, I'm not going to die. I'm going to like 
try fight really hard to go back to to the earth. But in general, let's think about Jamie Foxx, regular actor. No, he doesn't lose his cool in that movie. He gets violence, but he doesn't lose his cool in that movie. Mm. Let's see. It just came to mind. I'm trying to think of maybe he doesn't have any freakouts. Booty call. Booty call. He loses. He he loses it in that movie. Tommy Davidson loses his cool in that movie. Man, Tommy Davidson. Um, no, I don't, else? I don't know if Jamie Foxx loses his cool. I don't, I don't see him as a like, guy that loses in, his cool. In character, he will have to, like, you know, when I'm thinking of, like, Jarhead, it's like, well, he's a drill sergeant. He's got to, like, yell at them. Wait, that's, not even, that's not losing his yeah, cool. Yeah, but he's not losing yeah. his cool. Yeah. Mads Mikkelsen? Yeah, he Ooh. doesn't really lose his cool, does he? He's, he's, he's pretty level. Bogey? Yeah, yeah, Bo, yeah Bogart stays pretty, you know, he's Bogart. Like, the close, I guess, Treasure of Sierra Madre, he comes, you know, crazy. That's, like, the closest. Yeah. Sung Kang, he's always chill on screen. Oh yeah, he's. I mean, he's eaten. Yeah. Better <laughs> luck tomorrow. I love that's that movie. That's why he's so. That's why he's so chill. He's just he eating. He's a cop. Yeah, he's just eating all the time. <laughs> Chris right. Evans. I guess. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, because that's me scanning my head like Chris Evans rules. I I just I felt you two thinking. Yeah, I was like, well, wait a minute. He kind of loses school when he when he almost, you know, when he takes out Tony's powers. Cool. Yeah, when he, when, he, when he knocks the shield, yeah. <laughs> when he gets that. But, way. you know, he did it because he was trying to save his buddy. And he can do it all day. Team yeah. Tony. Okay, right. you can leave now, Mark. Next, <laughs> next question here. What are some great cinematic interrogation scenes? Ooh. Todd Levin, a friend of the show, writes The Dark Knight. There's Jamie something about Mary. <laughs> yeah, that's a good yes. <laughs> Slamming his head on the yeah. thing. Jim Dietz, friend of the show, has The Silence of the Lambs, The Marathon Man, and Reservoir Dogs, and Chris mm-hmm. has Inglorious Bastards and The Usual Suspects. Um, I mean, we, did, we we mentioned one in the answers earlier above, LA Confidential. Yeah, that back and forth, switching the audience. I just want to get my cherry pop, man! Austin Powers? Austin Powers. <laughs> Who does number two work for? Yes, that's a great one. How about a, how about a courtesy flush? <laughs> hey, man. Famous, Arnold in a big ass hat, yeah. <laughs> famously, famously never unhinged Al Pacino in Heat. Give me all you got. <laughs> Give me all you got. <laughs> <laughs> you wasted my motherfucking time. <laughs> all right. <laughs> uh, you heard of a guy who heard of another guy that was gonna do a thing. Wow. Brooklyn Nine Nine's got some good interrogations. <laughs> yeah, the Backstreet Boys one. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, well, the last question is, what movies could be hilariously much simpler if they had been made today and the characters could use computers and cell phones? Uh, Maxwell, friend of the show, has Home Alone is always my answer for this. Uh, and Chris has Trains, Planes, and Automobiles, uh, but it could never be improved. Uh, also, Gladiator. <laughs> Gladiator. Let me go check if my wife and kids are okay. Tell them to leave the house. Well, if he just had a gun, I think. <laughs> like, <he's> like, <laughs> just, I got this. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and a car. Footloose? Footloose. Because they could have just, you know, it's so insular. They could have reached out to everybody and told them about the dancing. <laughs> Guys, you know, what this, you know what John Lithgow's doing to us over here? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stick with Lithgow movies. Raising Cane, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger, yeah, I guess technology really would have. Would Cliffhanger be easier? <laughs> I mean, they had they had a GPS system locating the missing cash they're going after. I mean, what else can yeah. they do? And a helicopter. And a helicopter. They had all. They seem to have all the tools they need. Climbing needed. equipment. <laughs> oh, 
French connection. Yeah, mm. I mean, that's just more communication. There's a lot of walking. Point. Yeah. What Popeye Doyle needed was a scooter to get him around town quicker. One of the, <laughs> I get tired watching that movie. They pound the pavement. Yeah. Tremors. Right, right. Tremors. Oh, I wonder where those worms are going to come from. I don't know. Let's just set up these uh, vibration systems. <laughs> That's a perfect film. I just got the Arrow Blu-ray for it. It has a, a ton of stuff. I'm going to be exploring that. It is packed. The Last Uh, Samurai. (laughs) I mean, any film from, like, like, the past, but, like, from Feudal Japan, or, like, any time of past period. Lord of the Rings. I imagine it'll be easier. Oh, we need to get helicopter into... No, Lord of the Rings, they already have it. They had the Eagles. They're like, no. Ernest Saves Christmas. Oh. Well, yeah, he could send out, like, an email blast. Like, guess what, guys? Saving Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) With like a GIF inside inserted. You know what I mean, Vern? If you want to see good physical comedy, watch the bit and Ernest goes to jail where he's he's in the washing machine going back and forth. Beautiful physical comedy. All right, I'll check it out. (laughs) All right, well, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. And that is going to bring us to the end of this episode. You can um, find more of my work on my personal blog at CodeZeke.com. Everything I do ends up over there. I'm also writing reviews at Weiss to Blue and Weave Entertainment. And I'm on Twitter at AaronsPS4. Abe? There are more fun stuff over my Instagram, Abe.Mua, and Twitter.com slash WalrusMoose. Hashtag roast beef. Mark Hoffmeyer, where can people find more of your work online? Uh, yeah, um, Twitter, Mark Hoffmeyer, movies, films, and flicks. And then I uh, listen to the Rotten Tomatoes is Wrong podcast, watch Versus. They're all on Peacock and YouTube and all that. And then go to YouTube and type in film theory or food theory. I write videos for them. And then Deep Blue see the podcast. And probably Ernest talk now because I just do it all the time. <laughs> so, well, you name all of them off the top of your head. It was great. I got a bunch of articles coming up in the next couple months. I got some weird data articles. I'm also on Reddit as Lundgren's Front Kick. So, oh. yeah, I don't know. Look that up. I've had some well, pretty good. as Al Pacino would say, give me all you got. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> I don't even know who's. Yeah, that's it. I'm just. I don't know. Yeah. Just come say hi. Read my dumb data. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you can find all the other episodes of Out Now Therapy on iTunes, Audioboom, Spotify, and Stitcher. SoundCloud, Podmac, or HHWLOD. Feel free to email us at outnowpodcast.gmail.com. Or write on us or our Facebook wall, Facebook.com, outnowpodcast, or tweet us at twitter.com slash outnow underscore podcast. And our Instagram page, Instagram.com, so that score podcast as well. Mark, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Mark. Oh, thanks for putting up with me. Oh, we were happy to. <laughs> what are you talking about? I think <laughs> you uh, matched our level of energy, maybe even exceeded it. <laughs> I, 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 to- I said I was going to tone down my weirdness a little bit, and I was told not to. Nope, so we love the I, weird. I went full Mark. <laughs> well no happy to have you here look forward to having you on again yeah. uh, next week uh, well we have we generally like to talk about Sundance if we can so next week uh, we'll see what we can do there we're actually at Sundance not really on Twitter <laughs> yeah but uh, that is going to do it for this week's show so until next time so long and goodbye kids are different today I hear Thank you.